those that are currently serving um, to protect our freedoms. And um, you know, we are the uh, land of the free because of those brave men and women that uh, serve uh, in the military to defend our, our country and our freedom. If you have your Bibles this morning, I want you, invite you to turn to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 17. You know, we uh, enter the, the fall season. Colors are changing, the trees and uh, pretty decorations are going up. And uh, in a few weeks, we'll have red and green every, plastered everywhere. Um, you know, so seasons change. And now we look forward to that uh, that change that kind of new life that uh, new seasons bring us. And, uh, you know, as great as it is to live in America and to enjoy the freedoms uh, that we have, it is, isn't it even greater to know the freedom that we have as children of God, to know that Jesus Christ died for the sins of all the world? And that really is what makes such a big difference. And that really is what uh, changed not only history, but changes every one of us. When we come to know Christ as Lord and Savior, everything about us changes. That doesn't mean that we're all of a sudden, you know, perfect and holy, but that we're changed and we're new. And we're on the road toward holiness. We're on the road to being uh, better, not because of anything we've done, but because of what Christ does for us. And so uh, let's take a look, beginning in verse 1 of Matthew chapter 17. It says, Now after six days Jesus took Peter, James, and John his brother and led them up onto a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun and his clothes became white as the light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with them. And then Peter answered and said to Jesus, uh, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, let us make here three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and suddenly a voice came out of the cloud, saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased hear him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their faces and were greatly afraid. But Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise, and do not be afraid. When they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. Now, uh, as they came down from the mountain, Jesus commanded them, saying, Tell the vision to no one until the Son of Man is risen from the dead. And his disciples asked him, saying, Why then do the scribes say that Elijah must come first? And Jesus answered and said to them, Indeed, Elijah is coming first and will restore all things. But I say to you that Elijah has come already. And they did not know him, but did to him whatever they wished. Likewise, the Son of Man is also about to suffer at their hands. And the disciples understood that he spoke to them about John the Baptist. Interesting recording here in Matthew chapter 17. Mark and Luke also record 
uh, for us, this transfiguration. Jesus takes his three, the three closest disciples, kind of his inner circle, and they go up to this high mountain. Uh, this is a, a week after uh, Jesus has asked his disciples, who do men say that I am and who do you say that I am? We talked about that last week. So about a week has passed. Jesus takes Peter, James, and John up this high mountain. And Jesus is transformed or transfigured, the Bible says. And it's interesting what uh, takes place. The Greek word uh, is the word we get metamorphosis from. He was chained. There was this light that shone around him. And uh, there were... Two figures that appeared that later Matthew came, maybe it was Jesus, uh, told them. Maybe, you know, Peter and them had asked them who these two were. Uh, but it says that uh, Moses and Elijah appeared with him. What a wonderful thing. This bright cloud hovered over it kind of a strange picture to us seeing ghosts and seeing clouds cover things and and people you know with their their faith definitely an odd situation but certainly something very very important was going on jesus knew that the hour was coming when he would accomplish what he came to do it was very soon going to be the Passover. It was going to very soon be what we know today as Easter. And so Jesus takes his innermost disciples and they have this uh, vision. And then Jesus does something very peculiar. Don't tell anybody what you heard. Well, I think that if I heard an audible voice of God... I would probably tell everybody. I'd at least tell somebody. I'd probably put it on Facebook. My me, you know, and, and let, I'd tell somebody. And yet Jesus said, don't tell anybody until the Son of Man is risen from the dead. In other words, he's saying, listen, uh, I'm going to die, but I'm going to come back. He'd already mentioned that a little bit to him. They hadn't fully understood it then. They still don't fully understand it. But Jesus was beginning to prepare them and prepare us for what he was going to accomplish in coming days. So this is a very important passage of Scripture, and I think it teaches and reminds us three things about Jesus and his ministry. And so let's talk about them just briefly this morning. The first is this, that the transfiguration pictured Jesus' authority. It reminded the three apostles that were there, reminds us that Jesus was indeed who he said he was. He was indeed God. Moses and Elijah were held up by the Jews. And that was kind of the, the law and the prophets kind of wrote on their two backs. They, they were kind of the symbols of those two different uh, time frames of the Old Testament. The Shekinah glory, remember the Bible talks about in the Old Testament, this cloud covering that was the glory of God. 
And uh, when the tabernacle was built, that glory would would sit over that tabernacle. But that Shekinah glory that followed the the children of Israel in the wilderness. And what a magnificent thing that was. Now, Peter, James, and John were good Jewish boys. They knew what the Old Testament taught. They knew who Moses and Elijah were. They knew about that cloud. And they certainly understood there was something significant going on. That Shekinah glow was the presence of God. And, and so by that cloud coming down and, and them saying, they say, listen, we recognize Jesus Christ really is God himself. That he is the one that the Old Testament promise would come to deliver God's people. That he was God himself. And by the way, that was the very claim that would ultimately do Jesus in. He'd made that claim numerous times through the Gospels. And it upset the religious leaders every time he made it. And ultimately, it would be his undoing. And the reason it threatened them so much and why they wanted to do Jesus in so bad was because if people recognized Jesus as authority, guess what? That meant that the priests and the religious leaders, people wouldn't listen to them anymore. And they didn't like that one bit. And so as Jesus was transformed, this this change that took place in just a moment and what a a magnificent thing that surely must have been reminds us that Jesus was God. They were afraid. I think I would have been too. You probably would have been. You would have seen something like that. And here yet again, Jesus' message, like it is over and over and over again, don't be afraid. The disciples' response was constantly fear. Really, if you get down to it, they were a bunch of scaredy cats. We find them hiding and cowering and and being afraid a lot. And yet Jesus' response and Jesus' message to them is always the same. Do not be afraid. And it reminds that, listen, when God is on your side, there's nothing that you have to be afraid of. When you have King of kings and Lord of lords on your side, you're in good company. And you don't have to, uh, you know, cower in fear. You don't have to, and by the way, it's not necessarily a bad thing to be kind of fearful you know, courage not the absence of fear it's the willingness and the ability to overcome that fear and to, to do what you need to do even though you're afraid and that's what our, our men and women of the armed forces the, the veterans and those that are presently serving do every day knowing that and you know that, listen we all face Danger. Does that mean that we, there's danger all around our world. In fact, it seems, especially if you keep up with the news, our world's getting more and more dangerous. 
even in our community of Columbus, shootings, at least every week, stabbings. You know, here lately we've seen people killed in New York City with crazy nut driving a truck through a crowd killing people. A few weeks ago in Las Vegas, uh, last week or the week before, uh, a shooting in Texas at church. The world is a scary place, isn't it? And yet, when Jesus Christ is the Lord of our life, remind that He is the one that has all authority. We don't have to be afraid. That as long as He's got us, there's nothing that can defeat us. Because He's got our back, and there's nobody I'd rather have my back than the Lord. And I hope you can say the same thing. But the transfiguration not only was showing these three apostles and when they went they certainly told at least the other apostles what took place to tell us and remind us that hey listen God is who he said he was Jesus is who he said he was he was and is God but the transfiguration secondly it not only pictured Jesus' authority as king of kings and lord of lords but it proved that Jesus was exactly who he had been saying that he was. Remember, at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, you know, we, we don't know what happened through his teenage years. We, we have the beginning. That's the Christmas story. We have that. And then Jesus kind of falls off the grid until we have a, one occurrence when he was 13 or so, just become a teenage boy. And then we lose track of him again. For a couple decades. If you remember that when Jesus began his public ministry, Matthew recorded for us for early, earlier in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 4. Remember, said that the Spirit of God led him out into the wilderness. He was tempted there. But before that, what took place? Jesus was baptized. John, he, he met John the Baptist, his cousin, and uh, said... You know, John recognized and said, hey, listen, this is Jesus, the Lamb, the one that takes away the sin of the world. And you remember perhaps that John said, listen, I'm not worthy, Jesus, to, you know, do this, to, to baptize you, but he did. And as Jesus was in the water, he came back up, and, and the same thing took place. They heard the same voice and heard the same message. This is my son. In whom I am well pleased. We hear that message yet again, but now God says some adds something to it, doesn't he? He said, Listen to him. It reminds us that, hey, listen, Jesus is the real deal. He was the one that was promised. You know, God had begun way back in Genesis chapter three when Adam and Eve fell and sin entered the world and has been causing problems for us since then. God in Genesis 3.16 gave a, a glimpse of hope. Of this. It reminds us, hey, listen, though, the sin has cast you out of the garden and there's this 
spiritual death that's taking place, there's victory that's going to come. And all through the Old Testament and all through the New Testament, the Bible is God's story of God's work to redeem mankind. To restore what God had created initially as wonderful and beautiful and perfect. That sin so marred. You see, friends, our world is not suffering from guns and a gun problem and a knife problem. Our world is suffering from a sin problem. And it's sin and evil that make people do these these terrible things. It is the very opposite of what God intended when He created the earth. Remember that as He created, after He created everything out of the dark and he created the, the the land he created the sky the stars the moon sun you remember after each time he said, oh that's good God created creation perfect and sin has mucked it up it's scarred it it's made it you know sin is evil And it is not more laws, it's not more police, it's not more military that will solve the the evil in this world and the problems that it creates. The only thing that will solve it is when this world finds the real thing, the real cure. And that real cure is a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so, again, there's this seal of of authenticity, the seal of approval upon Jesus, says, listen, this is the real deal. Jesus is the one. This is my son. And he and his work will accomplish what I've sent him to do. Jesus fulfills hundreds of Old Testament prophecies. As a reminder that sometimes God takes a while for his word to come to fruition and his will to come to fruition. But it reminds us it always does eventually. He doesn't come in our timing, especially in, in America, in, in the world. We, live. we want it now, don't we? We don't want to have to wait 30 days or 60, or 90 days or a year or five years or 10 years. We want it now. And when things don't come now, we get a little upset. We'll say, well, we'll do it our own selves. We'll we'll take the bull by our own horn and we'll make it happen. And when we do that, we only make a mess of things even worse. But God's timing is not our timing, but God's timing is always perfect. And so about 2,000 years ago, Jesus would finally come. And by the way, not come as the way the Jews were looking for the Savior to come. But he came as a baby, as an infant, of a simple, ordinary, common family. Lived an unassuming life, had a common upbringing, just like most of us probably. And yet he was the one that was going to deliver us from our sin.
from what really was our problem. But then it reminds us of something else. The last thing, the third thing, is that the transfiguration, not only did it picture Jesus' authority and prove Jesus' authenticity, but the transfiguration proclaimed Jesus' awareness. I tell you that Jesus knew about what was going on in his day. He knew what was coming. He had to have. He said, listen, in just a little while, I'm going to die and raise again. And I don't want you to tell anyone about what you've seen until that happens. In order for him to say that, guess what that means? It means he had to be aware of what was coming. He knew the disciples' hearts. He knew that they were afraid. How do we know? Because he said, listen, don't be afraid. Jesus is aware of what's going on in this world. He knows what's going on in your world. And his message to us today is the same as it was to Peter, James, and John. Don't be afraid. And the reason that we don't need to be afraid is because we can trust him. I tell you that when you trust Jesus, it doesn't mean that everything's going to go your way. And that things just, you know, going to, you're not going to get the Midas touch all of a sudden. Everything you touch is not going to turn to gold. But when Jesus goes with you, yeah, the assurance you're going to get safely to the other side, don't you? You know that no matter what comes your way, and it, may be some scary, and probably will be some scary things. But when Jesus is walking with you, and he is, by the way, if you're a Christian, if you've given him your life, he says that the Holy Spirit lives inside of us and walks with us. And so we don't have to be afraid because God's going with us. Peter, James, and John ask a question. They say, Jesus, isn't Elijah supposed to come back? And Jesus says, listen, indeed Elijah did come. This messenger did come. It tells us later on that he realized, they realized he was talking about John the Baptist. But notice what he said. He said, you know what? John the Baptist came. And people didn't listen to him. They did what they wanted to do anyway. And though Jesus had done all kinds, he'd raised dead, he'd fed thousands upon thousands of people on different occasions, healed all kinds of diseases. Had, if they had newspapers back then, he would have been on the front cover nearly every single day. People knew the name Jesus, and they knew what he was doing. And yet they went about their business not really caring that Jesus was the Son. That Jesus could save them. That Jesus could make them different. As they began that mountain, that change took place just like that. And just like that, Moses and Elijah were gone. And Jesus was there alone. And I tell you that 
when God changes you, he does it just like that. God changes us from sinner to saint instantaneously. But we are not what God intends for us to be instantaneously. We, we have a lifetime, and that's what life's supposed to be. That's what discipleship is. is us becoming more and more like Jesus and less and less like this world. So that change begins instantly. It happens in a moment. But it continues moment by moment. It continues as we trust Jesus. As we acknowledge him as our Lord and Savior. As we remember that he's aware of what's going on in our life. And we trust him. And let him be God. We recognize, hey, we're not God. But praise God, we know the one who is. And the one who is able to do something about the situations we find ourselves in. So we don't cower in fear and just give up and say, well, there's no use in even having church. There's no use in trying to serve the Lord. That's what the world, that's what evil, that's what sin would have us do. And I tell you, that is not what Jesus would have you do. Jesus would have you stand to say, you know what, with the Lord on my side, I'm going to fight whatever battle comes my way. And to remember that we don't ever fight alone. No army would just send one man to fight a battle. In battle, and and even in preparation, you know what, every soldier has every other soldier's back. They go together. And their strength in numbers. And friend, I want to remind you that as a child of God, you never go alone. That not only do you have the Holy Spirit that goes everywhere that you go, but you have other believers that go with you. See, the Bible says that as a believer in Christ, we're connected to every other believer in Christ. That's a wonderful, that's good news for us. That not only does Jesus save us and change us, but God connects us together. And I'm so thankful for that. I hope you are too. I hope we'll understand and remember that just as Jesus was changed, God desires for us to be changed as well. And can I tell you that as we are changed, as you and I are changed, do you know what happens when you and I are changed? The world around us changes as well. Because of what God's done in your life, God is touching others. And I'm so thankful for that. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for your goodness and your love. Thank you for the change that you make in the lives of your people. Thank you that though we are lost, though we are so sinful and undeserving of your love and your grace, Lord, that you came and died on the cross of Calvary and shed your innocent blood that whosoever would call upon you would not perish but have everlasting life that we would be changed in a moment when we've trusted in you. Lord, I pray if there's one here today that's never made that decision. Lord, today would you help them to recognize their need for you. Lord, if there's one here today that's saved and they 
they know they're saved, but Lord, they've they've not been transformed. They've not been this change that you desire for their life has not been taking place because they've not surrendered to you really. Would you help them today to call out to you, say, Lord, I want you in my life. I rededicate my life. You be the Lord of my life. Change me. Lord, help us to remember that we don't need to be afraid in this world, that we can take courage because you're our Lord. Help us to be remembered that as you change us, you change the world that's around us. And we praise you. Friend, let's stand.